Love getting prices that are lower than low on food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiaki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiaki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello once again, my friends, and, and welcome to the Science of Magic. Gwilda Wiecka here, bringing you more exciting guests and topics designed to expand our minds and create new options for living in this new world of ours. This hour, we'll be embracing the grim and the humorous as we explore one big modern mess. Increasingly, the concept that beliefs create our reality is entering the mainstream thinking. If that's indeed true, it looks as though our current social beliefs are about to kill us. The news is full of wars and rumors of wars. Violence abounds, and the pollution of the planet on every level has reached an all-time high. There are more animals going extinct than ever in recorded history. The oceans are choked with enormous masses of plastic. Japan is still vomiting radiation, and we're fracking Oklahoma off the map with more disasters to follow. We've poisoned our environment and are poisoning ourselves in the process. Is it possible that a shift in human consciousness can really turn this mess around? Can changing our collective beliefs on the nature of life transform the planet? What will it take to bring about this miraculous transformation? Our guests this hour may very well have some revolutionary thoughts on the subject. 
Steve Behrman, is an internationally known author, humorist, and workshop leader. For over 30 years, he's written and performed as Swami Beyond Ananda, the Cosmic Comet. Swami's comedy has been described as both comedy disguised as wisdom and wisdom disguised as comedy. Since 2005, Steve has written a political blog with a spiritual perspective, Notes from the Trail. His latest book, written with a cellular biologist, Bruce H. Lipton, is Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future, and a Way to Get There. His website, wakeuplaughing.com. Now that I've put you to sleep with doom and gloom, brace yourselves, as Steve and I will most likely wake you up laughing. Steve, thanks for joining us on The Science of Magic. Well, thank you so much, Gwilda, and thank you for your introduction and setting the stage for where we are right now. I understand you were involved in political science and activism during the 60s. Could you tell us a little about that? Well, you know, I majored in political science, but I never got quite so far as to actually dissect a politician. I came close, <laughs> but never, never got that far. But yes, I've been, um, I ended up uh, in the late 1960s. My first uh, job was teaching in Washington, D.C. Uh, certainly immersed myself in, in plenty of that. And, uh, you know, what we're seeing right now um, is the playing out, what I would say, of 5,000 years of being ruled by the lowest common denominator. And all of these things that have been under the surface in these uh, apocalyptic times, uh, because, you know, the, the apocalypse means the lifting of the veil. So the veils are being lifted both on all of the uh, political toxicity that we've cultivated and also on the uh, amazing new ways or even old ways that have been kept in protective custody for centuries that are now emerging, ways of connecting with one another and with spirit. That's amazing that it's coming, coming, coming to this, <laughs> isn't it? So um, got about a minute here. How did the science transform into Suwami Beyond Ananda? Well, you know, I, uh, I've always been kind of that. When I was in school, I was the kid that would always disrupt the class with, with uh, jokes and so on. And the way you know that you're chosen for that is the first time you're in the lunchroom and you make another kid laugh so hard that milk comes out of their nose. So <laughs> I was that kid and I, I had a serious career for, for a couple of years as a teacher and freelance writer. And then as I, uh, I had a, an epiphany, uh, a moment where I realized that I was really, really good at humor and that this was the path that, uh, that I was to take. And so for the last 30 years, I've been um, mostly doing comedy, but still, uh, of course, about serious things because that's the interplay. You need uh, so much of good, of good comedy is really a reframe and a release of energy from, from the negative things that are happening. Yeah, comedy, is. there's just no replacement for it. If we can't, they always say, never trust a shaman without a sense of humor. And boy, that's true. That's really true. If you look at all of the high guys, if you look at uh, Swami Satchidananda, who I had a, uh, the honor uh, we're of going performing. To to, we're going to have to pick up with this on the other okay. side of a break, Steve. Okay. Steve and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is produced by Railmar McConnell Media Company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs, 
songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Science of Magic. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Steve Behrman, a.k.a. humorist Swami Beyondananda, the cosmic comic. His website, wakeuplaughing.com. Steve, we were just talking about the importance of humor in these grim times. And you speak of humor as a way of telling the truth and getting new information and perspective under the radar. Would you please expound on that? Well, you know, I was going to get to that in terms of my first experience of really uh, learning about the transformational power of humor. I had a I had a regular career. I was teaching and so on. I was teaching at Wayne State University in Detroit, teaching auto workers. And then a funny thing happened. And of course, when a funny thing happens, sometimes it's not that funny. I got laid off from my job. And the only job I could take was working for the city of Ann Arbor, Michigan, doing tree work. And while I was there, a fellow worker made a suggestion that we start a humorous newspaper. And that's exactly what happened. And as I noticed uh, in just doing this newspaper for the people that we worked with, I noticed that there were ways that we could say things with humor that would expose ideas that had been hidden. Uh, There were ways that we can say things that were new evolutionary ideas and because it was humor because people's defenses were lowered then we would be able to get this information in we'd find more acceptance and then people would always be paying attention to anything that we said that had their name in it so if we're doing jokes about the people at the shop which we did uh, and we added some things that people didn't know about they found out what those things meant so that we realized it was a fabulous tool for education Do you think that finding humor in grim situations transforms them, and if so, how? Well, you know, there's there's this famous story about uh, Viktor Frankl. He wrote a book uh, called Man's Search for Meaning, and it's about his um, being in a Nazi death camp during World War II. Talk about a grim situation. It doesn't get more grim than that. And he and a fellow inmate made a pact that every day they would find something to laugh about because when you can laugh in that situation – even if you're physically imprisoned, spiritually, there's a way that you can be free. To give you an idea of how powerful that was, pardon me, one of the jokes that circulated among the inmates in the camp involved these two Jewish guys who decided that they were going to assassinate Hitler. And they know that Hitler's motorcade is going to pass a certain intersection at 11 in the morning. They're waiting for him. He doesn't show up. 11.15, he's not there. 11.30, when he's not there by 11.45, one of the assassins turns to the other and says, gee, I hope nothing's happened to him. (laughs) That kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It does. So that gave people courage. It gave people spiritual fortitude. And I think even in much less grim situations, it's a way for us to become um, 
smarter. I'll give you one more example. What happens when we laugh? Laughter causes breathing. Did you know that? Uh, and of course, breathing is the key to long life, right? We breathe okay. in, we inspire, we don't, we expire. So it's important to keep breathing. <laughs> when we laugh, what happens is more oxygen goes to the brain, meaning it makes us more resourceful. Fear tends to narrow our focus into fight or flight. Laughter expands our focus so that we see a bigger picture. Levity helps us rise above, right? So we can see it from a higher perspective. You know, in, in looking at some of the titles of your books, I just had to crack up. So we have Driving Your Own Karma, When You See a Sacred Cow, Milk It for All It's Worth, and of course my personal favorite, Suwami for President, a seven-step plan to heal the body, politic, and cure erectile dysfunction. Excuse no, me, no, that's, electile that's dysfunction. dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever possessed you to author with a cellular biologist, nonetheless, a serious work like your latest one, Spontaneous Evolution. Well, about 12 years ago, I met Bruce Lipton, uh, and he and I became friends. Uh, he had that time uh, just finished, just published Biology of Belief, which is a breakthrough book that talks about how our beliefs, our perceptions, our emotions, our thoughts impact our health and our reality. And because Bruce is also interested in politics, we started a conversation about how our collective beliefs in local communities, larger nations, and as a species impact the uh, the outpicturing of our uh our lives out in the world. And, uh, and so we actually wove together politics, psychology, spirituality, economics, and, and along with biology, which is Bruce's field. And then we looked at evolution, the process of evolution. And uh, Bruce says that crisis precipitates evolution. So if we look at the current uh, political situation, uh, we, and economic and ecological, we, we can see that the chances of precipitation are about 100%. And so we began this conversation and we started looking at how our beliefs impact uh, the outpicturing of our world. And one of the conclusions that we came to that's very exciting is that uh, looking at the patterns of evolution as they've played out since the beginning of life on this planet, that the next phase of human evolution is recognizing that we're all cells in this body called humanity, that we're all connected, Mm -hmm. and that much of the way that we've learned to behave together, you know, because of how we've been treated, because we have been in a dominate or be dominated uh, world situation, um, this is autoimmune dysfunction, that so much of the, uh, the, certainly warfare, and many of the forms of uh, toxic competition, unnecessary competition, uh, if we were actually cells in the same body, we would see that this is a disease process where healthy cells are at war with other healthy cells. And so this next, uh, this next phase, which we are calling the evolutionary upwising, because we're waking up and wising up, is recognizing that indeed we are all connected and that we, when we look at our uh, our interactions as the interactions of one uh, system, that we'd see that we're all in this together and that cooperation uh, 
is really the uh, the way uh, the way of evolution. You know, we well was that was that what Christ was trying to get across when he spoke about the us as different parts of the same body? Exactly, exactly, and and again, this is a very evolutionary idea, and yet it's a very ancient idea. Uh, and as Bruce and I began to piece together our our book, we recognized that modern science and ancient wisdom are saying the same thing. <laughs> science now, and magic. There you have it. Yeah, the golden rule uh, is actually been an operating system that every religion or ethical system has said. This is really how we how life is meant to be lived. And again, it reflects on we are all connected. And so consequently, as you know, as uh, Jesus suggested, uh, what you do to the least of us, you do to me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, one, one of your chapters is entitled Believing is Seeing. What do you mean by that? Well, what's really the case, and you know, we're seeing this ha- uh, outpicturing in politics these days. You know, in, in the United States, we have uh, not just separate political parties or s- political beliefs, but separate realities. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that you manipulate people is you uh, you give them information that already conforms with what they believe, and then they don't really question it. So and they create first, that reality, right? And they create that reality. So uh, in in our book, we talk about all of these fascinating uh, instances, like for example, the placebo effect, where. Uh, regardless of if, if you believe that something is going to be uh, beneficial to you, in fact, in, in testing drugs, they will give sugar pills and tell tell people it's the actual drug. And in about 30 or 35 percent of the cases, even if it's just a sugar pill, because of people's belief that it's going to make them well, uh, the sugar pill has the same effect as the actual drug. The good old placebo uh, effect, right? Yeah. And then yeah. there's other instances of, uh, uh, for example, the, uh, the, the snake handlers uh, in these uh, various um, religious faiths where they believe that they will be rendered harmless to the bite of the snake, and indeed they are. There's other examples of um, mothers whose children are trapped under cars exhibiting this superhuman strength to be able to lift the car to save their child. So all of these things are not explained by normal physics and normal biology, and it would indicate that there's another layer in there, that there's something else, a field that actually impacts uh, the outpicturing of the various particles in the field, the the physical aspect of it. So, in other words, you you know, like we know that we're um, mostly space. <laughs> the matter in us is very, very uh, nominal compared to how much of our bodies is made out of just space. And in that space is the connectiveness. Is that what you're saying? Well, you know, Einstein said uh, that the field is a sole governing pattern over the particle. And we have a really good example of this is the is the magnetic field. And when we were in elementary school, the science teacher did an experiment. And he or she took some iron filings and poured them on a piece of paper. They landed in random fashion. However, when a, when a, a magnet was put underneath the paper, the iron filings arranged themselves in the pattern of the magnetic field. So if we don't know anything about magnetics, we'd say, wow, these are some very, very 
intelligent iron filings. <laughs> However, when we know that there is something that is moving that, a field, an invisible field that is moving these particles, then we recognize that that's why and how the fields have been arranged. We can imagine that um, there were many, many, many kinds of fields that uh, the, the uh, ancient wisdom has spoken about, but we haven't been able to see. You know, these are the fields of the, you know, the etheric body and all of these things that we have no um, quote-unquote scientific proof for, primarily because science does not recognize the invisible. Uh, and yet the invisible, as Einstein of all people said, the invisible field is what uh, arranges the particles. So let's imagine that there are many, many, many different kinds of fields that are activated, but because we can't see those fields and because science only measures what can be seen and perceived by instruments, then we, we say, oh, they don't really exist. So basically our problem here is the coarseness of scientific, scientific instrumentation? I think the problem is in the, uh, in the divorce that science and religion had about 400 years ago. And uh, religion got custody of the spiritual world, and science got custody of the material world. And so science has proceeded... In, rec in, in this belief system that the material world is the only thing that they're dealing with. Even to the point, you know, where when, when Descartes, uh, Descartes really thought of everything as, as uh, mechanical. So that when you were slaughtering a pig, let's say, the howls and screams of the pig as he or she is being slaughtered, Descartes said, well, that's just like the sound of a squeaky wheel on a machine. Whoa. Well, it's that magic moment again. We're going to have to pick up with a squeaky wheel on the other side. Steve and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so don't you go away. We're coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, 
at WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Mnemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Mnemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Steve Behrman. His website, wakeuplaughing.com. Steve, we were talking about squeaky wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think we were really talking about uh, why it is. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. 
Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. And how it is that science has not really... uh... Uh, been embraced so many of the things that we know um, from our own intuition uh, that we've that we've known through our spiritual practices and so on. And you know, Bruce Lipton, my my partner in this book, he is one of the pioneers who is looking to make that connection between the visible and the invisible. Uh, and so, in in our book, we're really we talk about what's called the four myth perceptions that science has uh, that have been actually disproved by science. And one of those is that only the material world is real. Uh, We see evidence of of the invisible everywhere we go. And we have not yet been able, because we haven't found a way to measure it, um, so many of the things that that you and I understand are, are, are true have not been studied and so on, or so so forth have been taken out of the out of the mix so in this reintegration that's happening right now uh as more people become aware of the invisible nature of so many things um we are you know finally beginning through the uh for example the institute for noetic sciences and some of these other organizations beginning to bring uh you know, studying things like psychic phenomena, re- people reporting their experiences and finding that they're very, very similar, that uh, people have these very similar experiences, we're beginning to recognize that there's more to life than just the physical world. And if we really want to impact um, the physical world, just like rather than moving these iron filings by hand and arranging them, when we access the fields like the magnetic field, we find that... Uh, we have much more ability to change things. Yeah, change it when it's still in, it not in form yet instead of after it's set in stone. You know, one of the things that kills me that this brings up, um, what you're talking about, is the observer effect. Now, science has proven the observer effect, which basically says the ex- expectation of the observer has effect on outcome of a scientific study. Now, that makes all scientific studies Debunk, default, right? There's something wrong. The observer effect is invisible, but they're able to measure what's going on. Is this part of what you're talking about? Yeah, there was a very interesting uh, experiment done. Uh, we, we cite this in Spontaneous Evolution, that uh, there were studies done on the impact of prayer uh, on healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the studies that were done uh, during the uh, 1990s had to do with remote prayer. And there were many, many you know, double blind and so on. People were, uh, there was a number of people who were <clears throat> doing this remote prayer. They had all different ways of boxing and the study. And so Marilyn Schlitz, who at one point was the head of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, she did this research. <clears throat> I'm sorry. And she um, met a scientist from from the UK 
who was totally skeptical about any of this. And she said, okay, why don't we each do an experiment? And they had the exact same parameters for the experiment. They followed the same protocols. And the most amazing thing happened. Um, her study showed that there was a statistically significant difference when people were prayed for. His study showed that there weren't. <laughs> so in each of the cases, their beliefs were what determined what they discovered, that their expectation, this is why believing is seeing. And so uh, like with the, with the um, placebo effect, if it's true that, that 30% of the time, simply our beliefs are enough to change our physiology, instead of doing our research on um, finding better drugs, wouldn't it be, make more sense to do our research to find out how we could use our minds to actually have these changes without drugs? Yeah, how, do, how, course, how do we work this, right? How do there's we no it? money in that, so consequently... <laughs> <laughs> But but I think that that's really what we, we're at the point where realities are really in conflict as we as we start to look at if we focus only on the material reality, we will only have what's called transactional change. You trade one symptom for another. If we want transformational change, that means up leveling the the inquiry to the net to another uh, higher field. Einstein also said that a problem cannot be solved at the same level of thinking that created the problem. So if you're only looking at problem-solution, problem-solution, without looking at what would really transform the situation into another uh, uh, level of organization. So, so I, I, let, me, let me offer one more thing that we talked about in the book, and that is uh, what's called emergence, which is when... Uh, a population reaches a certain level of density, new ways of organizing are required. So the example that Bruce gives, imagine we're still a hunter-gatherer society, and every morning, 8 million New Yorkers get up and they trudge up to Westchester County to forage for food. <laughs> it could be ugly. <laughs> it could be ugly. It could be ugly. In nature, when population reaches certain densities, different ways of organizing emerge. An example, if you put a couple of fish in a, in a little fish bowl to swim around, they'll swim in a random pattern. As soon as you introduce a threshold number of fish, they begin to swim first in the barrel pattern, then when new fish are introduced in a school pattern. So that would indicate that when population of any sort reaches a certain density, different levels of organization are required and we are on the threshold of a new level of organization that is emerging where well, I we hope are it emerges all connected. pretty fast <laughs> yes we're all connected and yeah we do need are we going to achieve critical mass before critical massacre that's the question yo boy i like that you say social structure politics and economics tie into our biology would you explain how that one works well, I mean, first of all, uh, if, you, if you look at how our body is organized, what we see is a community of 50 trillion cells. It's a community. We look in the mirror, we say, oh, that's me. But really what it is is a community of cells that are organized in a certain pattern. Uh, the community of cells uh, we have uh, 
tremendous cooperation and connection. Uh, we have underneath our skins, we have universal health care, full employment, no cell left behind. We have a... <laughs> Uh, and and the organs actually cooperate with each other. You never read about the liver invading the pancreas, demanding the islets of Langerhans. It doesn't happen. <laughs> and so what happens is that in that system, all of the cells are part of this connected network, and there's something called the central voice. That is the coherent field that organizes all of those cells into the patterns that we call you or me, or our dog, or a plant, or any of those things. It's all coherent. As we are coming to recognize the ancient wisdom that's been kept and collected um, in protective custody, we're, we're beginning to see that we are meant to all connect with one another, and that the more community we experience, the safer we are, and the more individual freedom we have to be who we are really meant to be. Yeah, because the situation we're in right now, we're expected to be the end-all and know-all of our world, and it doesn't work. No one of us can can hold that, that role, and we sit aside arguing over who's right and who's wrong rather than finding that cooperative community that everything else exhibits. Exactly, and, and so part of this, uh, as Bruce and I trace uh, the, the history of human uh, consciousness during civilization, that what this is, is an unfolding learning experience. Evolution is another word for learning. Evolution is how life learns about itself. And so as human consciousness, ha as we've gone from the primitive consciousness of animism, where every uh, where, where spirit is in everything, and there's really not that much difference between waking dream time and the other dream time we've gone then we've gone to a uh, um, polytheism where there's many gods and all of these gods represent different forces in nature and then monotheism there is just one creative force then scientific materialism which denies the power of that one creative force and says only the material world is real now we're into another integrating phase, another holistic phase, where we come to recognize that everything that we've learned so far is true, that we've had to go through this period of different ways of learning and experiencing to recognize, to give life the experience of what it means to be separate and individual, and then having these individuals become conscious of the entire whole so that we see that we are all connected. We're so on the threshold of that. It may not seem that way. Well, it sounds like what you're talking about is we've been building, systematically building this whole structure through our realities. Exactly. And uh, as we come to see that, what is the, what is it the, that informs the structure? What is the, uh, what is the pattern? What is the template that informs the structure? We're now looking at, you know, you're familiar with sacred geometry. Right. It's not just the mathematics of life. It's the sacred geometry of life that allows this physical structure to exist. And uh, the, more pe the more scientists delve into uh, quantum physics, the more they realize that Buddha is already sitting on top of that mountain. 
isn't it true? It's like quantum physics is where shamanism and science meet because it's the quantum field where we affect change before it's made manifest or where we correct frequency imbalances to heal people. It's been going on for 50, 60,000 years. And science denies anything that can't be touched. It really cripples us. Exactly. So this is part of the new emergence Swami says that instead of a state of emergency, we need a state of emerge and see how we're all connected. You know, it's it, emergence, it, it can't happen if we don't leave room in our consciousness or our, you know, if we, if we don't entertain the possibility. Is that true? Well, I think right now reality uh, is giving us a, uh, well, reality checks are bouncing like crazy for the material world. And people are being jarred out of business as usual, beliefs as usual, both by uh, the physical changes happening on the planet and then the, uh, the changes that are taking place in economics and pol- uh, politics because the old structures cannot hold the new consciousness. They are falling apart like the caterpillar has to deconstruct in order for the butterfly to emerge. And we are in that chaotic chrysalis right now. Yeah, it is a time of chaos, and that's the good news, yes? It may not feel that way, but it is good news. <laughs> break it break it down so it can be rebuilt from its constituent parts in the new format. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's what's going on. And uh, we can see that uh, so many of the institutions of society are, are falling apart. What we call sanity, it's which is time. really coherence in the middle... Time for another break? Yes. (laughs) Steve and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gulda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. Our guest this hour is humorist Steve Behrman. His website, wakeuplaughing.com. Steve, how do the collective beliefs of a culture affect our personal biology and behavior? Well, you know, it's really interesting. There are these... Um, micro emotions and micro expressions and so on and as very very young children even if it's even if things are unspoken we get to learn what the signals are uh from from the people and uh, the people around us i think primarily what happens is that in our culture there's certain ways of relating to people that we pick up uh specifically 
we don't in our so-called civilization have ways of initiating uh, as they do in, in, in indigenous cultures so that so many times we are uh, we're not connected uh, first of all with our with our mothers um, Joseph Chilton Pierce has written uh, a number of books on the importance of the mother-child bond and when we have children that are born in institutional settings like hospitals, when the mothers are drugged, when the children are separated from their mothers and put in, uh, you know, in separate compartments, there's certain chemistry that does not get transmitted from, from mother to child. I mean, that's just the beginning of it. Yeah, and it goes and it, downhill from there. It goes downhill, downhill from there. And then, uh, you know, for example, there's certain things in mother's milk, and, you know, most of us who were born after World War II in modern society uh, was considered backwards uh, to be breastfed. So it's yeah, been Spock should have been shot. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, all of these other uh, um, insults to our, to our physiology that we don't even recognize because we've culturally become so used to them. So at the first, there's the first level of um, of the physiology that we don't get that connection with our mothers. The second level is that uh, until a child is six years old, um, so many of the of the beliefs uh, and ideas become in they, they become programmed in. Uh, probably that most of what we, of who we are has been determined by the time that we're six years old. And these subconscious beliefs become filters for us to see the world uh, and experience the world. And we don't recognize that they're merely filters and beliefs, and we mistake our beliefs for reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's... And so what happens is, in a society, we are... We are connected, uh, we're hemmed in by the limitations. To give you an example, several years ago I did a presentation um, uh, for, uh, for people who were, um, I don't remember the name in uh, North Carolina, the um, institute there where they've studied psychic phenomenon you know, for 80 years. And as I interviewed the people who uh, were there, Many of these people, as children, they would experience the, you know, either they have clairvoyance or clairaudience, or they would be able to move objects. They would have all of these anomalous experiences. And what they learned when they tried to tell their parents or elders about it, they learned that they had to stifle those, uh, those psychic abilities and those um, perceptions, and which they did. And many of them were not able to recover these until they they became conscious of it later in life uh, and they were you know because these things did not fit in with what their uh, their families and their communities uh, believe were possible so right now we're at a point where we have many realities that are conflicting with one another and you know those of us who are conversant with uh, you know we've met people who've been taken aboard ufos and all of these things um it's not you can't really talk about that 
on mainstream TV and mainstream radio. So right, people, and all these realities are crashing together at this time. Why do you think now, in particular, is when we're having this crisis of reality? Well, you know, I talked about the density of population. We now have uh, 7.5 billion of us. And, you know, it's one thing when you're living in a, in a situation where you can be an isolated um, uh, entity and your actions are limited to um, influencing a small, small environment. Our human activities now have impacted the entire ecosphere. And so in order for our species to continue on this planet, we have to come into harmony with the energies and entities on this planet. Otherwise, we'll be kicked off the planet. Otherwise, we will become extinct. Yeah, and do you see science and magic or mysticism coming together in this process to give us a more complete perspective and to aid that unity? This is what's happening right now. This is the leading edge of science. And uh, now that uh, quantum physics is now beginning to infuse itself into biology, one of the the fascinating people that I'm reading right now, and Bruce and I are preparing for our 10th anniversary uh, version of uh, Spontaneous Evolution, is Arthur Young. Are you familiar with Arthur Young? Yes. Okay. Well, Arthur Young, for your listeners, he was the inventor of the Bell helicopter, and he was a great philosopher of science. And 40 or 50 years ago, he was talking about this interface between science, uh, between the material world and the, uh, and the, um, the unseen. And uh, as, as his work becomes better known, I think people are going to be able to recognize that things began with the light and, and the function of we humans, we, con- we conscious humans, is to experience the light and go back to the light and bring that light to all of our affairs and all of our uh, our work here on the planet. This is the realization. It's kind of like the painting by the numbers. We're filling in the numbers as we begin to recognize these invisible pieces and the difference that they make. So it's quite possible that in our lifetime, we will be able to have that it's not so much looking for the missing particle. It's not like looking for the God particle, but it's looking for that space where matter gets translated, where, where energy gets translated into matter. Do you think that we're going to come out um, physically different on the other side of this evolution? Well, I think, of course, the, in being able to look at how these energetic forces impact us physically, I mean, there are those who say that there are advanced technologies uh, that are already here, uh, you know, we're being visited by those advanced technologies already. And, and those technologies will enable us to actually use the, uh, the energy in the plenum, use the energy that um, is uh, currently in the invisible world that we don't know how to harness. And the scientists like Tesla we're on the threshold of finding these uh, these fields, and I think right. That you're, you're talking the, about this. You're talking about scalar energy, which isn't even electromagnetic anymore, right? Yes, it's beyond. You know, right now people are talking about alternative energies as being uh, wind and solar and and all of that, which is great because for our intents and purposes, solar energy is infinite. 
But we're also talking about the energy that is in the field that has not been harnessed yet, and that there are some uh, scientists who have been able to um, begin to access these energies. And, you know, there's many stories about repressed science and, and so on. I think that in the, in the coming decades, uh, if we don't destroy ourselves, <laughs> these are the, uh, these are the um, different elements and ideas that will emerge. And you know, part, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. What, do you, what would you advise the listen, listeners? What's the single most important thing we can do as individuals at this time to help this process, to make it to the other side? Well, it's going to sound funny, but humor. <laughs> because what happens is that, that as things get grim, and they will uh, in certain regards, if we're able to keep our perspective and recognize that um, the great power of humor is that it allows us to hold paradox. The whole idea of humor is taking ideas that don't relate, that are contradictory, and finding the formula for integrating the contradictory ideas. And so, given the ability that we have to laugh, given the ability that we have to look at contrast and find the joke hidden in the picture, that will give us the spiritual uh, capacity to hold these ideas. It will open our hearts. It will free our minds. And so, in this transitional period, we will be beacons for other people who are looking to go, like, what's wrong with this picture? What's what's happening here, and you know we'll be able to hold a bigger uh, a bigger view for those people. Don't you think that taking things too seriously locks them in place? Well, of course. I mean, you know, seriousness. The world is in serious condition because of our conditioning to be serious. And you know, how many people do we know who said, "I'm looking for a serious relationship"? Yeah, you know, why? please spare why me. Why one of those? It's already. Yeah. Too- have a humorous relationship. Steve, work thank you so, so much for being on the show. And we'll talk to you on the other side. Our thank guest you, is Sarah. Yeah. 